Now, here's everybody's favorite millennial. Adam Crowley (laughs) on ESPN Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh team just made a trade to acquire some talent. And no, it wasn't the Penguins. It was the Pirates. I'll give you a moment to collectively gasp. You know, I opened up the show yesterday joking that the Pirates finally figured out a way to deal with the cavernous left field situation now that Starling Marte was moved over to center. Did they just play all four of those guys at once in left that they acquired this week? Well, it turns out it was wrong. They're apparently planning on playing five guys at once. The latest is Corey Dickerson, an all-star with Tampa previously, actually last year. Now, let's be abundantly clear here. It was an all-star last year because, well, in Tampa, everyone needs to be represented for the all-star game, and he was their guy. But he still had a good season. 150 games for the Rays. Um, in 2017, he hit 282, 325 on base percentage, 490 slugging, 815 OPS with 27 homers, and with a total of 62 RBIs. So that was Dickerson's slash line last year. They got Daniel Hudson, the pitcher, a minor league infielder, Tristan Gray, and cash considerations to land him. Yes, the Pirates actually gave up cash. Like a million bucks. But don't get too excited. Whenever they trade Josh Harrison now, they'll save about $10 million, and this acquisition does allow Adam Frazier to go to second base with less of a risk of losing offense than rolling the dice on Bryce Brents or Daniel Nava. So all things considered, they'll save about $3 million bucks because Dickerson makes five point nine this year plus the million they sent out. When they trade Harrison, Frazier goes to second. And now you've spent seven million to swap out ten. And let's see if he's still here if he gets big money in arbitration after this season. Now Dickerson played the first three seasons of his career with the Colorado Rockies and impressed with the 312, 364, 567 slash line. He had 24 homers, 76 RBI in 2014. Uh his war was two five in twenty fourteen, uh two six in twenty seventeen. You know, what's ironic about this is after talking about the cavernous left field, the one thing he can't do is play defense. So, you know, he'll fit right in with the rest of the Pirates then if that's the case. Rumor is also that Hudson, as soon as he reported to Tampa's locker room at spring training, sprained his ankle again walking into the restroom. But at least Dickerson is a legit Major League Baseball player. At least Dickerson is someone you can look at and say, that guy upgraded us at a position. He might even be an upgrade over Kutch and center. So you move him to left, Marte and center, you might actually be looking at an upgrade in the bat, potentially. Potentially, we'll see. But for the first time in a long time, you can look at an acquisition acquisition by the Pirates and say, hey, you know what? That makes sense. This one, I understand. This one, I'm in favor of. 412-922-2874. 412-922-2874. I am Tim Benz. This is my final day in for Adam Crowley. And that's the big story in local sports. The big story in local politics is this. Shannon Edwards is making a run for Congress on the GOP ticket. 
She's the woman who brought down Tim Murphy's political career by outing their affair, which wound up in a feared pregnancy and a request that she have an abortion. Now, Murphy is pro-life, so you can see that might not come off looking so good. So he resigned, and now she's running for Congress in a neighboring district as a rep. Well, she never got the abortion. She just had premarital, extramarital sex, so that's okay. But, man, that's cutthroat. It's not like it's Murphy's seat, but that is cutthroat. That is so cutthroat that if she doesn't win elections, she may even qualify to be on the Aliquippa school board. Speaking of that, 75-year-old Quips coach Mike Semanic fired yesterday, and everybody's talking about it throughout Pittsburgh sports. This is not just a regionalized high school situation. It's a big deal. And the reason it's a big deal is because it's about racism, nepotism, and ageism. You got it all rolled into one big, ugly ball of wax in Aliquippa. You know, either that or he just got fired because he's only 200 games above 500. Boy, that sucks, huh? If the Aliquippa School Board was in charge, Chuck Knoll never would have won a Super Bowl because they would have fired him after the 1972 AFC Championship game lost to the Dolphins. Yeah, sure, immaculate reception in that, but you did get suckered into that fake punt, Chuck. If the Aliquippa School Board was in charge, the Francisco Cabrera hit never would have happened because they would have fired Jim Leland after the blown 3-2 series lead to Atlanta the year before. If the Aliquippa School Board was in charge, Mike Sullivan would have gotten canned after his 0-4 start. Semantics football teams since 1997 have reached the WPIAL finals 13 times, including the past 10 years in a row. He was inducted into the Scholastic Football Coaches Association Hall of Fame in 2016. The uh, superintendent, Peter Carbone, denied comment, and most of the school board members did too, except for this dink, Ezra Lowe. Who is this jackass? I guess he had a kid that was on the team and Semanic didn't push hard enough for him to be recruited, or, I don't know, he's got it concocted in his head anyway that, a la Varsity Blues, his kid had a recruiting letter that got buried, and he only wound up at Edinburgh or something to that effect. Well, he joined the board in November, and he said he voted to replace Semanic because the coach, quote, didn't adequately support his players beyond the high school football season. This is reading from Chris Harlan's story in the Trib, and Chris is going to come on later to talk about this. Lowe said, what about the kids that are on the corner now from the football team? You use them for your glory, for your self-edification. What about their future? When do they get rewarded? Interesting. Hot take there from Reverend Ezra Lowe. Is he reverend or pastor? What should I call him professionally before I rip him? He's a pastor. Pastor Ezra Lowe. Okay. Well, let me ask the pastor this. When do we have accountability for the kids getting arrested on the street corner for themselves? And if we don't want to give them accountability, we want to slough that off, when do we put it on the parents? Or should we not put it on the parents of the kids themselves or put it on the white football coach then? That's okay? Where does the clergy come into play? Where's your clergy coming into play on this? If it's so important, if the kids can't handle themselves and the parents can't handle the kids, if the, shouldn't the next step be your church? as opposed to the football coach out of season after what he's supposed to monitor every kid on his team 24 hours a day and then the alumni too and this has only been an issue what now because next year you want a black coach in there 
when they're loaded and they're probably going to win the WPIAL so it can look like the black coach got them over the hump when the white coach couldn't? Because that's the way it smells to me. Let's hear from him first. This is Ezra Lowe. This is from Channel 2 TV last night. Marvelous record. But like I said, he didn't do it on his own. He had about eight coaches behind him that did the work. Is that why you voted to open this contract? I voted because it's time. Listen, 21 years, 21 years, and we only got one state championship? Come on now. The funny thing is, in a previous previous comment, he said it wasn't about the record. Then he goes on to say it's about the record, and the record wasn't good enough because they only won one state title. Meanwhile, he's got six WPIL championships. I think he's been to the championship game 13 times or something like that. Here's Semantic himself. The school board always should do what they think is best for the school and the kids in the program. That's obviously what they did. God, that sounds like Belichick. Both in tone and in substance, in the actual quote itself. That's a Belichick quote, which is ironic because this dink, Ezra Lowe, also went off on Zemanic and said that he shouldn't be the coach because he never played the game. So I guess the Patriots should fire Belichick, too. Tomlin should be out then as well because he never played in the NFL. He's got to go. So him not playing high school football has gotten away so much, he's 237 and 37 or something like that. He's 200 games above 500. That's how much of an issue that is. What an idiot. Aliquippa, this, is, this guy is helping you run your school district? How's your graduation rate? And maybe guys like this being in charge is part of the reason why. 412-922-2874. Uh, which of these clips is next here, Tom, from Mike White on uh, Stan Saverin's show today? Let's, let's do the one about Gilbert. Can we do the one about Gilbert first? Okay, so Sean Gilbert's mommy is on the school board. She's also grandmommy for Darrell Revis. And there's a feeling afoot that she wants Semanic out now because I guess Gilbert is ready to take over the program and wants to come back and coach. Now, that hasn't been confirmed, but that's been more than widely whispered. So we've talked about the race angle here. We've talked about the ageism angle here because he's 74 and still coaching very well. So now let's get to the nepotism part of it. Is it really true that Sean Gilbert might be brought back to Aliquippa to coach the team now? Stan, I, I, I can't say that, and I don't know how much truth there is to that because you're going now to Eileen Gilbert who's on the school board of that, Sean Gilbert's mother. I don't know. If she wants her son to be the coach, as usual, those school board members aren't talking. Um, I, I, I think it's it, it's mysterious. I will say this, Dan. Almost 40 years of covering high school sports, WTIL, this is one of the most unbelievable things I've seen happen to a coach. Yeah, but we've seen it before. And then Mike went on to list a number of coaches that have been through situations like this while successful, they still pissed off the wrong school board member's niece or nephew, and they wound up getting booted. Some of them were brought back. I mean, like, McCurry's name came up. Didn't LeVar Arrington go to that meeting? Uh, McConnell, basketball coach down at Shar, Who am I forgetting about? Didn't Neil Gordon go through something like this or something? Uh, um, Jim Render went through something like this before in Upper St. Clair. So... This one, though, is a little bit more of a hot button of a tinderbox because race is involved here. you got a white coach with a largely black assistant coaching staff, an almost entirely black team, and nearly an entirely black school board. White superintendent, but I guess the superintendent can't even talk about this or doesn't even have a vote. The school board, whatever it was, was 7-2 to two 
in favor of getting rid of Semantic and opening up the job. So Stan also asked Mike White, the PG high school writer, about race and how that became a factor into this, or did it at all? Do you have any idea, and I asked Mark Madden this, um, about the the racial mixture of the school board? The um, No, I do not. I, uh, it's mostly African-American. I don't know those people, but I know it's mostly African-American. When, but not all of them. Yeah. When And is it also true that his entire assistant coaching staff was made up of African-Americans, including former players like, you know, Dan Peep Short and guys like that? Um, no, not all of it, Stan. Uh, most of it. Uh, I know one of his coaches, Larry Taddeo, is not African, but most of it was African-American. Uh, yes, um, some guys were close to him, and I just said he's a line coach's wife. Voted against them. Uh, <laughs> a guy was a volunteer assistant, where he's carry voted against them. It, it's just, it's just eye opening. It's, um, you know, the racial thing. Though, no, no. Uh, most of his staff was African American, but not all. All right. So let's dive into this part of it. When it comes to the race thing, because S. L. Price was on across the street. All right, and uh, he wrote that book about Aliquippa football, and. He was talking in the interview about maybe it's time for Aliquippa to have a black football coach. Maybe it's time. What do you, what do you mean it's time? What, what does that mean? So what, it's okay to remove someone of one race, because even though they're doing a good job, just because you think to advance some sort of racial agenda, you should have somebody else in there? What, for optics? I mean, let's let's flip the race card for a second. Let's just say for the sake of argument, there's a really good, largely white school district who's got a good football team, and the head coach happens to be black. So there's a black guy in charge of a bunch of white kids that are winning. Would it ever be time? Would it ever be okay? Like, would S.L. Price ever utter the sentence, you know what? Maybe it's time to have a white guy coaching the white kids. Would that ever happen? Like, you you get fired for thinking it, let alone saying it out loud. You know what? Maybe it's time the whites were led by the whites. Read my book. Are you kidding? Like, that's not okay. It, it's not okay just because this is a minority. It's not. It's not okay. Just because a minority group thinks that they should be run by a minority group, and the guy who's in charge happens to be a different color. Like, this should be a two-way street. I I thought that's where we were getting here. I I thought the whole goal of the past 150 years was to have the races on the same plane and not looked at differently. Like, we can't interact. So so let me get this straight. By, By all counts, and I'm not a high school football expert by any stretch of the imagination. But I do a game here or there on Comcast, sideline, play-by-play. That's how I got to know Mike a little bit. And he's always been a good guy, and uh, maybe I'm a little biased in this situation because I like him. And I do, so what? But, so now you're telling me that it's okay to have him lose his job because we need to advance the cause of a community that is actually being benefited by the job he's doing. 
And from what I'm hearing, again, I don't have advanced scouting reports, but Al Quip is supposed to be awesome next year. So you want, after 21 years of just one state championship and six district championships, it would advance the cause of the community more if somebody swooped in on his work to take them one step further and be crowned state championships, and then you look better for the move that you made? I mean, that's pretty transparent. The funny thing is, again, Dink Ezra Lowe, the good pastor, is saying that Zemanic did everything he did based on having a really good coaching staff and really good players. Well, again, isn't that part of the job of the coach? Isn't the coach supposed to assemble a good staff? And isn't the, po- the coach supposed to have good players, coach good players, rear good players throughout the youth system before they become high school football players? So this thing just stinks to high heaven on any and all counts. And I don't mind ruffling the feathers of those who think that it's okay to leverage one guy out because you think it advances a racial agenda in a positive light. Because someone was done hard by here. And and part of the re apparently, like, you know, Sean Gilbert, if he really does want the job, you know what? Wait a year. Wait a year. The guy said he only wanted to coach one more year. Wait a year. Then mommy can hire you. 412-922-2874. I also want to, like, get into the whole personal accountability thing here. Like, why is the coach responsible for the behavior of the football alumni? Like, why are we pretending that's part of this? I mean, if, if you honestly think that a coach is supposed to... And this is a coach, by the way, who's bought kids jackets, shoes, food. He's done a lot of this. You know, from what I understand, like the street corners they're hanging out on, he's actually got rules that you can't be seen on some of those specific street corners. And if you're there, you get kicked off. You get benched. So why is what happened... It, like, honestly, why is what happened in Aliquippa okay? Why is that okay? Because we damn well know if the roles were reversed here, it'd be a crap storm of pandemic proportion. And it sure as hell wouldn't just be talked about on Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio and in Pittsburgh Papers. It'd be a national friggin' news story. There'd be protests. It'd lead CNN. This is not okay. What happened yesterday is not okay. 412-922-2874, tweet me, at Tim Benz, PGH. I don't care if it's just a high school football story in your eyes. It's a bigger story in my eyes, and it's not okay. We'll talk about this. Take your reactions. Some tweets are coming in already. Get your phone calls. We'll mix in some pens, too. Um, Jamie Alexiak, recently acquired by the Penguins not too terribly long ago from Dallas. Uh, The latest, greatest renovation project by the Pens. Can they do with other guys at the deadline what they've done with him? We'll talk about that coming up. Chris Harlan from the Trib. More on this whole situation with uh, Al Quip as well. Tim Benzin for Adam. My reaction pouring in on this um, Al Quippa situation. Mike Semanic was uh, forced out by the school board. Led by Pastor Everin Lowe. Was it Ezra Lowe? Ezra Lowe. And Sean Gilbert's mommy. Uh, here's a tweet from Dave. Well, before I get to some of the replies here, what was the, some guy was really mad, Tom, off the air, was he screaming about? 
Well, he wasn't mad. He just said that he's never seen someone so upset about something like this on the air. I should be upset about it. We should all be upset about it. Because we all know damn well that if this was in a different light, if this was in a different scenario, that it wouldn't be a non-story nationally and it wouldn't be swept under the... This would be front page everywhere in Pittsburgh. It's a sports topic right now. It would be advanced to something greater if this were a situation where a 74-year-old black coach was forced out by a white community where he wanted to coach one more year and there was zero to suggest why he shouldn't. And the pretend that race hasn't been some sort of a factor in this is laughable to me. I, I wasn't there last night, but I did see a lot of the clips. Like, every guy who stood up for Mike Semanic was white. Everybody I saw, I don't know, maybe some some other people showed up at a different time before the cameras were there, but it was a split. And I thought the whole beauty, like S.L. Price wrote about in his book, and the legend of Aliquippa was that while it was a racially divided community, the football team kind of brought that together. Well, that narrative has been shot to hell. 412-922-2874. Dave says, I think you're right on the money with this take, Tim. And the flip certainly wouldn't happen in 2018 without there being a CNN town hall meeting involved. Jamie says people would lose their minds. Uh, Filthy Dalton says the hypocrisy is insane. Only a few dare to bring it up. It should be on the news for every outlet calling out this BS. He had one year, but they wanted to humiliate him in some way and take away his accomplishments, even just a tad if they could. Um, TP7187 says... He's been there for 20 years, and now this is suddenly an issue. That's curious. Uh, this guy, Here's one take that's against mine. Uh, Pittsburgh fan 94. Everything has a beginning and an end. He was the head coach there for 21 years. Don't think it's a race issue. Nothing wrong with wanting a new face of the program. Yeah, if he wasn't doing his job. Yeah, if he wasn't involved in the coaching. Yeah, if he was letting things slip through the cracks if he was borderline senile by the end like Paterno was, yeah, if he couldn't manage the program, but that's not the case. He was fine. As we all know, as I keep telling myself, 43 is the new 33, right? 74, it didn't seem like he was 74 to me. Chris says it's a shame that in 2018 we're still talking race in regards to the work environment. We've got a long way to go as a nation. Well, we do. And part of the reason we do is that there is, how can I frame frame this the right way? There's a certain element out there amongst the white community that feels like there is a different set of standards held for what you're allowed to do and not do. And the resentment breeds further racism. Like when people in the white community see something like this happen, they see a double standard there. And the extension of that is racism back the other way. That's why we've got so far to go. It's because largely because of stuff like this. You know, again, it's supposed to be a two-way street. And what we saw in Aliquippa last night is not evidence of a two-way street. 412-922-2874. Mixing some hockey talk here before we get to Chris Harlan from the Trib, who covered this event last night. I spoke with Jamie Alexiak today of the Penguins as we await some movement from them at the trade deadline. By the time Adam comes back on Monday, I bet you there's some changes afoot. Nothing yet, though, as the team prepares to leave for Carolina. Everybody who got off the bus 
following the Columbus game, is still there to get on the plane to go down to play the Hurricanes. Jimmy Alexiak's been really good. The latest defense reclamation project that's worked out for Pittsburgh. Why has it? And talk to him about that and more. I've been asking some of the guys, what with the trade deadline approach, and some of the guys who have been recently acquired by the team, why it's been easy to assimilate here. Uh, guys like Schultz, uh, Riley Shane have come here, and good things have happened. It seems like you're the latest example of that. Why has that been the case? Why have you been able to find your game here in Pittsburgh? Uh, I mean, it's been a combination of things, I think. I think uh, they've got a really group, good uh, kind of support group here. I mean, obviously they got Gonchar, Jock works with guys, and... You know, I think um, having those two guys on your side is really helpful. And I think just kind of the, you know, the chemistry in the locker room, too. I mean, I think, um, fortunately, I knew a couple guys coming in here, so it was a little bit easier to kind of have that transition. And also, I mean, just kind of the, you know, everyone's very, it's a very welcoming group, and everyone's, you know, really open, and it's really team-oriented. So I think that kind of helped me out a lot, too. You know, it wasn't just like coming into a, you know, awkward situation, being on your own. You know, everyone was like, if you had questions, you know, ask it out, ask or whatever. And, uh, playing with both Honey and Colsey too. I mean, they were really helpful as well. You know, um, kind of call help me out with different little plays and you know different calls and things like that. So I mean, I think just overall, it's just a it's just a supportive atmosphere around here. And you know, if you have any questions, you're not afraid to ask. You know. Systematically, is there anything about what the Penguins do that allows players to find, especially the offensive end of their game? I mean, I think you just have so many skilled and creative guys in this team. You know, it's really easy to play with, and they're good at spreading out kind of the, the playmakers, you know what I mean? I mean, you got Phil will play on different lines, or, you know, Sid will play with a lot of young guys, and I think it kind of brings everyone's game up, you know what I mean? I think um, it's um, – and they leave a lot of things open, too. They're not – you know, obviously we, we like to play in the system, but if there's a chance to make a play, they're – you know, they're – you know, we want guys to make plays, so I, that kind of – builds your confidence a little bit and when the team's playing with confidence you're playing with confidence and it just kind of works out well actually maybe that should have been the better way for me to ask that question there what you just said is it the lack of an oppressive system or the lack of a system that you have to fit into that allows you to just kind of jump in and be yourself yeah i mean a little bit i mean like i said you have so many skilled guys and you can't really put them in a box you know what i mean i mean you know Gino and obviously Sid and Phil and I mean you can go down the locker room and like all these guys are, are can make plays you know kind of on on the go so I mean you can't really put guys those guys so much in the box limit the creativity you kind of have to give them room to spread out and you know I think it kind of works out well with the system. This team last two years has had to go eight deep defenseman wise in the playoffs and that's not uncommon for teams that have to go a full four rounds. Do you guys feel on the blue line you're properly set up for such a run? Uh, eight guys deep at this point with Chad being available and Hunwick now getting a few games under his belt of late? Uh, yeah absolutely I mean I think you know especially come playoff time you know I think we're, we're down to the stretch here and having that depth is, is huge and I think we got a bunch of anyone can really step in the lineup and play a big role and, and I think um, you know Colsey proved it and Hani proved it and um, you know we're kind of fortunate in that aspect we're having so many good uh, so many good demon that can put so much you know different variety and can bring different things to the team so I think it's definitely good uh, coming down the stretch here. I mean, it seems like there's been three things they've tested that have all come true. You can't have enough defensemen, you can't have enough good goaltenders, and you can't have enough speed. Uh, anywhere they've needed to add or plumb the depths seems to have been there in recent playoff runs in those three areas. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's wild. I mean, I guess you can't have enough, right? Like, it's the goaltending's been crazy. I mean, Murray's unbelievable. Jar's been good. We stepped in when Smitty was here. He also had some great games. I mean, it's even going back to their first playoff run. They got to Zakoff, and he won them a game against the Rangers. Oh, I know. I mean, you know, 
you know, I, I, I don't know what's in, you know, the, the goal is water here, but there, there was something special, you know. I think um, it's definitely nice to D, man, especially when you guys got back, you got those guys back there because it just makes your game a little bit easier, you know. I mean, you're, you know, you know they're going to, you know, really pick pick it up for you and, and you know, help you out. So it's, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely nice to have them. All right, so thanks to Jamie Alexiak. Uh, Pierre Lebrun saying that there's a lot of talk picking up about Michael Grabner and whether or not the Penguins should get him. In the 6 o'clock hour, I'll play a clip for you from Carl Haglin. Interesting. Uh, trying to read between the lines what Haglin had to say there. Is this replication or replacement of what he does? We'll talk to Haglin about that in the 6 o'clock hour. 5 o'clock hour is going to feature Brian Dumoulin. Also, Leslie Jones' meltdown on Pierre Maguire. Now, there's a weird marriage of topics right there. The SNL host, Leslie Jones, going off on Pierre Maguire for asking a question of one of the women's hockey players during the game last night against Canada. We'll have that for you coming up. Uh, Mike Tomlin and Bill Cower linked together in a Steeler tweet that didn't go exactly the way I think the club wanted it to. And how did Pitt blow it again? We're going to get to all that in the 5 o'clock hour. Jesse Marshall, too, but Chris Harlan is next from the Trib. We'll talk to him about the um, Aliquippa situation. Chris Harlan next. Tim Benson for Adam. First National Bank is dumping the NRA. Says it will no longer issue an NRA visa card. Gee, how will the NRA ever survive? Tim Benson for Adam today. Chris Harlan joins us right now from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. By the way, a week from Monday is when Breakfast with Ben's launches each and every morning. Get a new column. We're going to do stories from overnight that affect Pittsburgh sports Monday through Friday. I'll have a podcast each and every day up on the Trib and uh, lots of other commentary as well. Lay out the sports calendar for Pittsburgh Monday through Friday. Uh, That starts again a week from Monday, we will talk high school sports in there from time to time as well. No one does it better than Chris. He's been working with the paper for a long time, and he joins us right now to talk about the Aliquippa situation last night. Chris, you were right there at the school board meeting, right? I was. I was. All right, so I saw some of the highlights. I uh, watched the story as it was filed from Channel 2. I read your piece, and I'm blown away by this. Is this ageism, nepotism, racism or all of the above uh, it depends on who you talk to you can hear all those answers from different people uh, I, I think one problem last night was the board really didn't tell us only one of the nine board members spoke afterwards and the superintendent also declined comment so they just kind of left it hanging out there for people to try to figure out what the reason was and, and the one who did speak uh, ezra Lowe, one of the school board members he pointed to the fact that he thought that mike semantic hadn't done enough to help the kids in the recruiting process for college. He, he accused them of hiding letters and, and not giving them out. And, and that's, you know, excuses you've heard or criticism you've heard of other coaches before. I mean, that same criticism has been levied on, on some of the best to coach around here. And, and that was kind of it. And, and I think if you look back, though, and I've talked to a number of people in the last 24 hours, and, and they've said, you know, there's been a, a vocal small minority in, in Aliquippa that sort of had a problem with Manic and, and had been upset about that kind of stuff for years. But in the last few years, they got control of the school board. And, and that kind of swings things when all of a sudden that group of people has enough votes. 
And I know last night, as this was all going down, one of the things that I was getting texts from other coaches all over the Western Pennsylvania, and the one thing this really reinforced to them was the fact that all you need is five votes, and you can be fired. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you've won or how successful you are. If a school board gets five votes, any coach in the area can, can be out of a job. And for folks who are just tuning in, if you don't know the backstory, Mike Semanic, the coach for the Aliquip Equips, uh, 21 seasons, 13 trips to the WPIL championship, six titles in one state. Is that the resume there? Yeah. Chris, exactly. Did I have that right? It is. That's it. And, and, and around here, especially around active coaches, I mean, you're really not going to find anyone. I think the amazing thing is he's coached there 21 years and been to the championship game 13 times. Yeah. And where. Well, where I've got a pro- in a row. Yeah, where I've got a problem with it here, Chris, then is like just as um, an in-depth look at some of the complaints that were levied by the one guy who spoke, this Ezra Lowe guy, who yeah. uh, out of one corner of his mouth said it wasn't about the record and then said we've only won one state championship. I mean, right. come on, stay on point at least if you're going to advance a BS narrative. Right. I, I, I hate to criticize him because he's the only one that was bold enough for the group to stand up and speak. Yeah, but then he should speak but the yeah, truth because that's not the truth. I mean, right, we all know that's not the but, truth. Right, because then you undermine your own case when you argue that it's about the kids and it's about recruiting and it's about you know making sure that they're not on the street corner, as he said, and then you turn around and you criticize a coach that's won all these titles and say that he shouldn't be coached because he never played high school football and because he won only one state championship. A line that that brought uh, a reaction around the whole area. People saying, does, does he realize how hard it is to win one state championship? I mean, that's what they said. You know, it's, that's an amazing statement to say that. You know, wow, we only won one state championship. They should be celebrating that they won one state championship, not criticizing that. The funniest angle to this is to me that all of a sudden, after 21 years, suddenly now the fact that he didn't play high school football is an issue. Suddenly now the recruitment letter allegations, quiet allegations, are an issue. Like, his kid was one of the kids, allegedly, who didn't get advanced enough as a recruit, correct? So this is partially right. a, a personal grudge? Yeah, he said that his son played there in the 90s, and he, he said he was a big kid. He ended up going to Edinburgh, but he said he got letters from all these other places. And, and, and when we're talking about letters, we're talking about most of them are form letters that are coming from schools. And that's what they're talking about. Things that just are like questionnaires that the kid would fill out and mail back to the school. And, and they're saying that because those don't always get delivered to the kid, that that's going to end up limiting where they go to school. And, and in, in reality, that really probably doesn't have much of an effect. I mean, the, the kid that's going to go to Notre Dame isn't going to not make it to a big school because he didn't get some form letter from the school. So that's not going to happen. Is the bottom line here then, Chris, that the reason this all came to a head in, uh, last night is that the school board has Sean Gilbert's mommy on it and suddenly her son is ready to coach now and because he's ready it's time to get the old guy out is that where this is coming from hey I've heard that from people and she's definitely on the board and I've told people you know, people said hey you know if that happened they wouldn't be surprised but I can't confirm at this point that he's in line but it wouldn't surprise me though if, if you saw him as the coach next year. It's a possibility, especially with her being on the board. Chris, this isn't okay. Like, just because the roles are reversed here, and this is largely a black school board and a black community forcing out a white guy, that's not okay. If if the coin were on the other side, this would be a national friggin' news story. I agree with you there, but 
and I've, I've gone to everyone I can talk to up there. People, I know a lot of people in Alice because I used to work up in Beaver County for a while, and, and I called people that I trust and I know, and that was one direct question I put to lots of people. I said, is this a racial issue? Is that what's going on here? And everyone has said no. They've said it's not a racial issue. It's about a coach who they think hasn't promoted the kids enough. I mean, and I think that that's part of Mike's manic is from an older school group of coaches, you know, who, who aren't the guys who are on social media. If you look on social media now, you've got high school coaches and assistant coaches who are out there just promoting their kids. And they're saying stuff on Twitter that really isn't true. I mean, they're promoting kids trying to turn kids who are Division two athletes into Division three or Division one athletes. And, and you see that out there. And I don't think Alicope has ever been that way. I mean, he's, he's always left the recruiting and that responsibility up to the players and the parents. He's not a guy that has really gotten involved, but I've also asked players about it, the guys who've run on to Division One schools and in the last 24 hours, and they've said, hey, he helped me. If, if I had to take responsibility and, and get stuff ready, but when I told him a list of schools, he made sure he met with those schools. He made sure he did what he had to do, but, that it wasn't like he was just absent and not interested in the process. But I think he puts a lot of the, the responsibility onto the players and to the parents themselves. Chris, they might say it's not a racial issue, but frankly, I don't think it matters. Because, again, in a similar situation, any time the roles were reversed, if someone was in authority who was Caucasian would say that it's not a racial situation, the assumption is there and questions are asked. And I, I think you can say it's not a racial issue until you're blue in the face, but you know, if this is somebody who is African-American in that situation then if he's forced out, we know it's just about nepotism because Sean Gilbert takes over. But short of that, I think everybody's got a right to speculate because nothing else makes sense. And right, they're not I talking. Agree. And they're not talking to defend themselves. So right. if they're the not going to comment, then look, I'm going to say this. Yeah. The, the optics of it look bad. They do. There's no doubt about that. And, and by them just sort of leaving that silence there and by not stepping up and answering questions other than our, our one board member, Ezra Lowe, if the other people had stepped up and talked too, maybe that quiets that a little bit. But because they didn't step up and say anything last night, that, that leaves that big question hanging over everybody's head. This dippy Ezra Lowe guy, I mean, he's a pastor, right? Yeah, he's, he's an elder of the church there in Alabama. So this guy is saying that not only should the high school football coach be in charge of every player off the field 24-7, he should also be in charge of the alumni when they graduate 24-7. So he's sloughing off the personal responsibility of the players, the responsibility of the parents, putting it on the coach. I'd ask the dear reverend, where the hell's the church then? Where's your church? Like, shouldn't you turn to the church next instead of the football coach, for crying out loud? Yeah, that was the harshest criticism he levied was that, when he said, you know, there are players that played for Mike's Manic, and now they're on the street corners in Aliquippa. And and, and said that, you know, basically said that Zemanic was only interested in using them for football and then didn't care about them after that. And that was a, that was quite a criticism to levy on a football coach to say he's now responsible for the rest of their lives and the choices that they make in life. That, that is a, a hard one to put on a football coach. And, and one I know that Zemanic would probably take great offense to because there was a number of people that stepped up before the meeting yesterday and spoke on Zemanic's behalf during the, the open comment period including a former player that got up there and, and told stories about how, you know, the, the, the Mike Schmanick was the guy that, you know, players needed shoes if they needed shirts. They, they needed food after school. He was the guy that if you went and told him, hey, I need something to eat, he made sure the people got it, and he took care of those people. So, you know, they, they made those statements beforehand, and, and I think they kind of fell on deaf ears because I think that decision by the board was made 
long, at least days before last night's meeting, they had already decided what they were going to vote. So yeah. I don't think there was any moment, anyone that was going to come in and, and speak at that meeting last night and change their mind. And, and you know, maybe like 2,000 with LeVar Arrington in North Hills when he showed up to, to convince them to keep Jack McCurry at North Hills. I don't think there was anyone that was going to come into the meeting last night and, and change the mind that I think Mike's manic fate was already decided long before they voted. Yeah, this wasn't exactly a school board meeting akin to Gene Hackman and Jimmy Chitwood and Hoosiers, right? It was a lot more calm than that? It was. There was only a few dozen people there. Only six people spoke. It wasn't a big, rowdy room. It was, it was quiet, respectful. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, people, you could tell it wasn't one of those things where people really thought they were going to come in and change their minds. Uh, I'll give credit to the six people that did speak. They did a good job, but you, you could tell that this was a decision that the board had and made a while back. Well, I want to follow up on that for the last point, Chris, and, and that is how much of what we saw last night and in the days leading up to this, how much of that is a direct result of the fact that we had thought for two years now that this was going to be Mike's last season, and apparently he flipped and decided to stay one more year in part because the team, you tell me if I'm wrong in this, but from everything I hear, Aliquip is supposed to be great next year. They are. They are. They're supposed to have a pretty good team, but how can you say that, that they're going to be great next year for a team that just made the championship 10 years in a row? Mm-hmm. It's not like they've had a bad year in the last decade. But you're right about him talking about retirement, because I, I had someone tell me that today, that since maybe 2013, he's been talking about retirement. You know, he's been saying, well, you know, I might get another year or two, another year or two, and it's all the end in sight. And I think it got to the point here where the board just said, well, they'll make the decision and, and move on, knowing it was going to be next year or this year. And they just went ahead and took the action and did what they wanted to do. Uh, but, yeah, he definitely we knew the end was coming, but it just depended on whether he got to go out on his terms or, or on the school board's terms. Chris, before I let you go, um, sorry, but i got to squeeze this one in. This is, this is on a completely different tangent, but it is high school related. I don't talk a ton of high school sports, so I want to throw it at you while I can. And that's about the readjustment to the schedule for the WPIAL championships in the first place at Heinz Field. What, what are they doing next year now? They're, they're moving two of the titles out of – they're changing which classes are going to play at Heinz. Is that right? Yeah, they are. They have to switch up every two years based on enrollments, and, and it all goes down to how, how many teams make the playoffs and everything. But this next fall, classes 6A, 4A, 3A, and single A will be at Heinz Field. And 5A and 2A will be elsewhere. So they'll be played somewhere else. Uh, they still have to find a site for those. They used Robert Morris the last couple of years, but they're not quite sure if a, if a 5A championship can fit at Robert Morris' Walton Stadium because it only seats 3,000. So they're, that's still up in the air. But, yeah, they have four right now, and those are the four that will be at Heinz Field. And 1A will be there? It will be, yes. Uh, so, 1A, so, last year it wasn't. No, but Aliquippa will be there, though, right? 3A? It will be. They will be. They've been there. Well, that's nice. I think that's a nice story. So Sean Gilbert can win the WPIL championship at Heinz Field, and finally somebody from Pitt can win something of consequence at Heinz Field. That's nice. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if he gets the job. I think there's going to be some other people who are jump on board and one or two, but uh, we'll see what happens. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thank you. All right, that is Chris Harlan from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Read his work in the high school section and check him out in particular on uh, Friday nights and Saturday mornings. Uh, once the football season rolls around. Oh, and throughout the WPIL championships for basketball as well. Tim Benz in for Adam in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we got to get to how Pitt blew it last night. Speaking of Pitt, oh my God, they almost proved me right. They were that close. 
between watching Syracuse and Pitt last night back to back, it was a blender of sadness and failure for me watching those two teams perform at seven o'clock and nine o'clock. We'll discuss that. Uh, also, Leslie Jones's tirade against Pierre Maguire. That's coming up. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguin Brian Dumoulin, and we talked pens with Jesse Marshall as well. When we return, though, the um, <clears throat> reaction to a photo that the Pittsburgh Steelers posted on Twitter. Uh, this was fun. We'll have that for you next. Tim Benson for Adam.